Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions Broadcast Studio, your one-stop commercial residential cleaning company based out of Calgary, with a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Uh, trying out a video thing today for those of you who are watching this on YouTube a little bit later on. Um, so, coming up on the program today, I was obviously in Mexico, uh, as you all were aware, um, but we are back to regularly scheduled programming, took an extra couple of days to kind of get the lay of the land, going to talk some World Cup, going to be talking about some hockey, going to be talking about some baseball, and of course it's Wednesday, so it is Power Rankings Day with the National Football League. So a lot to get to on the show today, and then of course today's ticket when we put a bow on this one. I uh, Still using Betstamp? Download the Betstamp app. Use the referral code COUCH to let them know that we sent you. So we have a lot to get to. Let's get right into it. Let's start with the World Cup, and obviously, like, this was a major sporting event. It was so cool to, to be out in Mexico and to see all of the fans watching that. A, to watch a game in Spanish is uh, something you all should enjoy. Uh, it was very pro-Argentina where I was watching this. It was such an experience, and obviously, I think the main takeaway from this is all about Messi, who is clearly at the end of his run. This is probably his last World Cup, um, or at least his last World Cup as one of the, the premier players, and he went out with a bang. That is one of the great sporting contests you will ever see. That is one of the great sporting contests just of all time. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. And for it to culminate with Messi finally getting his World Cup is just absolutely mwah, chef's kiss perfection. It, it is a bit poetic that as Ronaldo's career starts to spiral, Messi reminds everyone that he is, in fact, the GOAT. Like, there was very much a yin and yang for two guys who have been yin and yang their, their whole career, right? Like, it's, it, I do think it's a little oversimplistic to just be like, Ronaldo, the glitz, the glamour, and all of these things, and Messi is just the sportsman, because, like, I mean, there's... Again, it's generalizing on both fronts um, and maybe giving one too much credit and one not enough credit. But for for Messi, for his forever rival to be benched and to be probably playing his last game at the last place that really embraced him and then for Messi to come out and just like put on that show. <clears throat> Sorry. Um... It was spectacular. It was honestly, and it's, it is the perfect final chapter, I think, to this rivalry to really put a stamp that this was Messi's time. Ronaldo certainly had his moments. It's not like we're going to say, oh yeah, and he was just this guy. Like, he was obviously there too. It is complicated with him because of everything that has gone on, um, or allegedly went on with Cristiano Ronaldo, but... Messi now finally puts that stamp on it that this was his era. And it comes in incredible drama with Argentina up to... And then really, when we talk about the, the next era, kind of the, 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 the standard bearer for that now, the, the torch passed almost from Messi to Mbappe with an unbelievable showing. I'm saying unbelievable a lot. It really was. With an incredible performance in that final game to pull France even and drag them kicking and screaming into to, to overtime, into the extra time, or added time, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it was just phenomenal. It really was. And now, it's an unfortunate wrinkle to this. We all know why this World Cup was happening in November and December instead of during the summer months, and we hate it, and it's awful, and it's terrible. There is... I don't even want to, to, to say, but it's intriguing, um, because all of that is awful full stop. 
Now, there is some intrigue with the rest of the season because there are still games to play and, and very important ones. You just had the season on pause while all these guys played massively important games for a month. How does this affect things? Does it affect it positively? Does it affect it negatively? There's no way it's not going to affect it at all. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what comes next in the world of footy. Moving into the hockey world, um, it really does seem, seem like we are seeing the final few games of Brock Besser and Bo Horvat for the Vancouver Canucks. And we've talked about it before, but this has been a masterclass in how to screw something up. They have a core that most teams would kill for. Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, Bo Horvat, Thatcher Demko. That is a strong foundation with which to build a hockey team. And then... You supplement it with Hoaglander, with Pod Colvin, um, Pod Colson, sorry, um, and a, a few other kind of, a couple other anyway, kind of fun young pieces around them. And they're still fucked. It, it, beyond fucked. It's actually impressive how fucked they are. It, it is mind boggling to have that young core be established. And then to screw it up so terribly that you may have to blow up that young core to keep a much significantly lesser core around. Like, it, it, it's just, it's, it, it boggles the mind at how terrible and how terribly the Vancouver Canucks have bungled this entire situation really since 2011 that they've been just absolutely dreadful that there appears to be no direction with jt miller mikhaev garland and oel all under contract through at least 2025 2026 they have and because of that now, they're probably going to have to let Bo Horvat go. They're probably going to have to let Brock Besser go. It is astonishing what the Canucks have done to just fuck this up so incredibly badly. It's It's been basically bad since 2011. And... Like, that that team was exceptional, and probably, like, that era of Canuck hockey deserves to be looked upon, I think, a little bit more favorably than it is. And we, we got a taste of it with the, the, the Sedins and Luongo getting into the Hall of Fame at the same time, so you kind of got to romanticize that a little bit, and I think that's the first time a lot of people have been able to do that. It, it was kind of a, just this weird group of players that didn't play the game the way that a lot of people wanted them to, and you had this last bastion of old hockey with the Boston Bruins coming in wrecking shop, and in my opinion, maybe setting this board back a few years, because it took a while before some of the younger skilled players really got to develop, and I think if the Canucks do win that Game 7 in 2011, I think perceptions change a little bit quicker than it actually did. But, I mean, since then, they get boat raced in the first round of the playoffs against the Kings, and that was it. They screw up the goalie controversy. They somehow come out okay out of it with um, Schneider going for Bo Horvat. You trade uh, Roberto Luongo for Markstrom, and you're, you're able to kind of restart this next thing. But again, they screwed it up so terribly. Just quickly on the 2011 thing, we need to chill on this Zdeno Chara saying, yeah, we saw them practicing skating around, handing out the Stanley Cup. Is it corny as fuck? Of course it is. Is it the the weird? Is it weird? Yeah. Stupid? Totally. Is it something to get worked up about? No, absolutely not. If they win that game seven, then 
instead of this being a LOL Canucks, it is a like one of those black and white motivational things that you see on TikTok with Joe Rogan talking in his studio, getting really dark, really serious. These this team, they visualized it, they worked for it, and they achieved it. That is what winners do. That is what you're supposed to do. But because they're weird and European and they lost, we're just like, ah, stupid fucking Canucks. I think people are really blowing this thing completely out of proportion just because this was a team that everyone loved to make fun of. And we just got one more shot. Everyone just got one more shot at him. I think it's so fucking stupid how people have reacted to this particular thing. Athletes uh, visualize things all the time. Watch the end of a fight. Dude gets his ass kicked for 36 minutes in a boxing fight. And then when it's all done, raises his arms up like, yeah, we did it. Trying to sell the judges. It's so dumb. You'll, you'll see legitimate parts of training camps being like, after the fight, and winner, and new champion, blah, 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 blah. And they raise their hand and it's, oh, my God. Visualizing has always been a part of sports. It's just... This team was weird and everyone liked to make fun of them anyway, so now is another chance to go on and make fun of them. Remember a couple of years ago when we were worried that baseball free agency was dead and the, the, the sports offseason was dying? That seems like a long time ago, hey? Well, let's start with the Blue Jays, uh, my favorite team. You can see that. Boy, that had sturdy. Anyway, um, I love this Bassett signing for Toronto. It, I, I was a little bit upset. I wanted a big ticket item, like a Verlander or a Rodon. But this is great. And it, it, it sounds like they're done in the pitching market. I would like one more. I, I You look at some of these teams, there's, oh yeah, they can go like six, seven, eight deep. I don't know why this team for forever has been like, ah, yeah, we'll go four deep and figure it out after that. That's always been a little bit frustrating. Uh, like I said before, I don't want to be in a playoff series going, oh, well, hope, hopefully we can get one out of, uh, last year I said stripling, this year it would be Kikuchi or White. But yeah, hopefully we can squeak out one with Kikuchi and White and then go with the rest of them. So no, I would want to be like, man, they got to throw one of these guys to the bullpen. And they, they kind of have that. Um, you do pr- In this day and age, you do kind of go four deep. Gone, I think, are the days where a guy goes in one, four, and seven. But to be able to roll with Manoa, Gosman, Barrios, and Bassett as your starting four is pretty fantastic. This Carlos Correa situation is so wild. So for those who are unaware, he agreed to a contract with the San Francisco Giants. Everything was done but the press conference, and then the press conference never happened because there was a touch of concern about the physical. In that pause, the New York Mets swoop in and take Carlos Correa for less money. He now goes to that club for, I believe, a 12-year deal worth over $300 million. If you're a Giants fan, you're sick today because... There was the Passon tweet that came out while I was on vacation saying that Judge is going to the Giants. And then the next day he goes to the Yankees. And then Correa gets done. He is the new face of the franchise, except that franchise is the New York Mets. It's It was a team that needed to get a home run. And it was a team that a lot of people were saying might hit two or three home runs this offseason. And as of right now, their biggest move is Mitch Hanniger, who's fine as a like tertiary piece. Not as your, well, let's put him on the season tickets and here we go. This is incredibly disappointing for the Giants. For the Mets, they've just gone full fuck it. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But speaking of Rodon, who I wanted to the Blue Jays, he goes to the Mets on a six-year deal, which is insane. And this was the year where 
you had to overpay for things. Like this was kind of resetting the market. And I haven't totally been able to figure out why the, the market has been reset this year with all of these. I think it's just a bit of like the, the CBA is back in. Um, there's a bunch of new money coming in because they, they sold their, their stake in BAM. They've got a couple of new streaming deals coming in. Um, but th this has been just mind boggling. And the thing that is getting me is the term that is being thrown around. And again, it's the Yankees. They can afford it. But this is a dude who's been able to stay healthy for only a couple of seasons. To lock him in for six is really banking on your uh, training staff or your ability to be able to outspend some of your problems. I wanted him on the Blue Jays, but not even close to this type of a deal. Now, if it works out, it gives the Yankees an elite one, two. And for this season, it gives them a, a ridiculous one, two, three, four, right? With with Cole, with Rodon, with Severino, and uh, with Nestor Cortez. But again, and this was the issue with the Yankees last year that, that I had. And it ended up not ended, uh, ending up biting them until they got to the American League Championship Series. But Garrett Cole has had some big game issues with this team. But I, I wouldn't call him an issue. Severino is finally healthy for the first time in a long time. And Cortez, who was a great story, has done it once. I, I just... This, this may be the Yankee hater in me. This is still far from a flawless team. It is an improved team from a season ago and a team that needed to improve. Um, I'm interested to see what the rest of this offseason looks like. I'm surprised, unless I missed it, I'm surprised IKF is still around. I'm surprised Donaldson is still around. I thought they would go younger, cheaper in those spots, but we'll, we'll see what the, the Yankees end up doing. I need to be clear. I know I'm kind of shitting on this. They are a better team now with Rodon than without him. I just think that there is potential that this blows up in their face. Speaking of which, Jacob deGrom goes to the Texas Rangers for five years. There is no way I'm comfortable with this. But I heard uh, the Athletic Baseball Show was kind of predicting it where I was like, you want him at two, you would accept three. Most teams would be like, okay, we'll go four. And the winner was going to go five. And the winner was the Texas Rangers. This is great. He is, when he is healthy, he is an elite pitcher and maybe the best pitcher in baseball. Not even maybe. When he is healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. But health has been a concern. And now you have a Rangers team that they're clearly going for with the last couple of off seasons, right? But I don't think there is, as I, I'm fiddling around with the baseball, uh, shout out to the, the, the 2000 hit run and throw, uh, hit run and throw, yeah. Um, anyway, I digress. Um... This is not a team that can afford to have their ace go down for two to three months at a time. Like, in the next couple of years, as they are building, maybe. But it, it just, the timeline doesn't really add up for me. Because I, I still think that this is a Rangers team that isn't, they weren't just a DeGrom away from competing with the Mariners and the Astros in the American League West. And then when they are ready, I don't know if DeGrom's going to be there anymore. Uh, not like he, he's, he's physically going to be with the Rangers, but I don't know if he's going to be at that elite level just because of injury issues and things like that. So it just, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, but uh, like, I get what they're doing, but this has the potential, I think, to set things for the Rangers back a very long time. Speaking of the Mets, uh, we talked of them earlier. I feel like they are now doing what people think the Dodgers do. Everyone thinks the Dodgers just throw money at everything. Yeah, $500 million payroll, who cares? And they... They have a high payroll. That, that There is no question. They're in a lot of free agents. Although this year they haven't been. This year it's been pretty quiet on the Dodger front. But what the Dodgers do, they go out and get the big names. And then they're able to kind of supplement it with the younger players. Kind of like what we've seen with the Houston Astros do. The, the Mets, 
they don't have the farm system ready for that yet, so they're just throwing money at every hole that they have, and it's going to be interesting. It, it really is. I, I think this team is obviously insanely good. Um, but this is just like, this isn't, yeah, we're going to be the new Dodgers. We're going to have a couple of high-priced players, and then we're going to fill around them and, and have elite player development. This is, we might get to elite player development, but in the meantime, we're going to spend $500,000 on, or $500 million on this roster. It's, like, just don't don't try to play the, oh, we're being the, um, we're being the team that's going to be able to, to draft and develop and all of these things. Just, yeah, we're going to outspend everyone for everything. And that's fine. That's a, it's a way to do it, but just don't try to sell me this other thing. It's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to try to dig out some of the water with this. It's, no, we're going to fill the, the holes in the boat with gold bricks. Um, it, again, the Mets are better. It, it's just like a, a wild, wild, wild offseason so far in baseball. Overall, it's been fun. And overall, I think it is a very positive thing for Major League Baseball. It's just been a little insane so far. Power rankings. Um, been away from this for a couple of weeks. So um, we are started fresh with this one. But we have a familiar team in the bottom. At number 32, it is the Houston Texans. They are just a very bad football team. They will continue to be a very bad football team. And one good draft I don't think is going to save them. Uh, at 31, it is the Rams. It has just gone completely off the rails for this franchise. Uh, another disappointing loss on Monday Night Football. They don't even have their first round pick this year. It, it's a disaster year for the defending Super Bowl champions. We will see how they bounce back next year. At 30, it's the Bears, whatever. Uh, 29, it is the Cardinals. 28, it is the Denver Broncos. Continue to be amazed at how much the Broncos have screwed those things up. Um, Broncos have to fire Hackett after one year, right? Like, th this season's been so bad, you have to completely start over. I would imagine, as we look at our top five teams, always like to have a bit of a theme with the top five. As you look at this top five, I... I hope the Texans don't fire Lovey Smith off of this. What else were they going to do this year? The Rams definitely aren't getting rid of McVay. I don't think the Bears are firing their coach, but I think Kingsbury and I think that uh, Hackett are gone in Denver. At 27, uh, it is now Nick Foles and the Indianapolis Colts after blowing a 33-point lead. A nice tribute act from Matt Ryan on his way out the door to his most famous performance, his 28-3 loss to the New England Patriots in that Super Bowl. At 26, it's Atlanta. 25 is New Orleans. 24, it's Carolina. It wasn't a plan to put um, three of the four teams in the uh, NFC South in the same spot, but it is kind of fitting that they're all there. Um, the top team in the NFC South is Tampa Bay at 20. Uh, there's Cleveland at 23, Pittsburgh at 22, New England at 21 between them. The Green Bay Packers are still alive. They come in at 19 after their win. The Jets seem to be fading a little bit, uh, but they hang around at 18. Same thing goes for the, the Seattle Seahawks. Some of these plucky teams, it's like, hey, these teams got a shot. What we're starting to see, it's tough to do that with a, a talent disparity for 17, 18 weeks of the year, right? And and that's what we're seeing now with Seattle. At 16, it's the Raiders. They have to move into the top half of the, the power rankings simply because that was the most unbelievable win any team has ever had um, in the history of the National Football League. And as a Raider fan, for at least the next couple of weeks, I'm going to back off of the, yeah, they're 6-8 and eight and a couple of games out of a playoff spot and the season's pretty well over. But, I mean, if they would have beat this team and if they would have beat this team, if they would have beat this team, this one at least cancels like two of those off. So... I, I will I will back off from uh, a couple of those. 15, it's Jacksonville. They kind of have a straight line to the division title now. Um, it's going to be real interesting with the team just ahead of them in 14, the Tennessee Titans, dealing with some injury issues right now, both offensively and defensively. 
um, that the bottom seems to be falling out in Tennessee and what a, a thing that would be to have the one that really uh, kind of blew everything up in Tennessee being A.J. Brown's performance with the Philadelphia Eagles against the Titans a few weeks ago. Um, at 13, it is Detroit. They've been fun, and now they're hanging around. They're picking up some, some really good wins. Um, they are, I believe it is, as I, I check on my phone here, uh, I believe they are a game out of a playoff spot going into this weekend's action. A reminder, there's a game on Thursday and then a bunch on Saturday. We're going to be previewing the Saturday-Sunday slate uh, coming up uh, on Friday. Um, yeah, the, the Lions get the Panthers this week. They are... Uh, why am I doubting myself? They were definitely only one game out of a playoff spot, right? Oh, even less, half a game out of a playoff spot. The Commanders are seven six and one. The Lions are tied with the Seahawks in seven and seven. So it's going to get very interesting there. Um, I also wanted to check the Lions' remaining schedule. As you'll bear with me on this, da, 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 da. great prep, Peter. Uh, so their schedule the rest of the way. They are at Panthers, home Bears, at Packers. Week 17, that, or week 18, sorry, that week 18 game, if the Packers win their next two games and the Lions do their thing, then that week 18 game could be sneaky huge. We might see Packers-Lions on Sunday Night Football. I don't think it's likely. I think the, both Packers and Bears kind of, or Packers and Lions, sorry, slip on a banana peel in that uh, stretch, but it's fun, and I wanted to reward um, the, the, the Lions with that. Washington is 12 um, because there aren't 12 good teams in the NFL this year. There aren't even 11, because the Giants are at 11. At 10, it is Baltimore. I, I am finally waving the flag on Baltimore. I have just accepted that um, with Baltimore and with the Chargers, who come in on uh, on this list at number 8, it's just, for whatever reason, it is just not going to click in the way that I thought it was going to click with these teams this season. I have Miami between them at 9. I still think there is hope for them, and honestly, I probably should have Miami ahead of the Chargers, but it's tough to do that um, at, at this current moment. At 7, it is the Dallas Cowboys. That's a bad loss in overtime to Jacksonville. It's not going to cost them anything, but that, that's just not a loss you really want to have going into a division rivalry matchup with the Eagles. At six, it's Minnesota with the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. I think that comeback is more on the Indianapolis Colts than it is the Minnesota Vikings, but that's a pretty good win. Um, San Francisco continues to hold on to a top five spot, even with Brock Purdy in at quarterback. At four, it is the Cincinnati Bengals with a big win this week over Tampa Bay. Um, and then it's the familiar top three. At three, it's Kansas City. Two is Buffalo. And number one, at least for now, is the Philadelphia Eagles. So there are your power rankings with just three weeks left in the National Football League. It is now the time for today's ticket presented by Betstamp. All right, it is time for today's ticket presented by Betstamp. And hey, look at this with the YouTube video. For those of you who are watching, we can now go through the Betstamp app. Um, and... I'll, I'll show you what's going on here on the ticket. This is through the website, by the way. Uh, Betstamp.app slash games is where we are at for this one. It is a busy slate in the NBA. Um, but just to give you an example, like this is the, the, the first page that you look at where you can see the, the different odds. You can see what places have the best odds on them. And then when you click into a game that you're interested in, then you get a, a bit of a better view as to what is going on. Now, there are a bunch of games on the schedule tonight, but not a bunch of games that we love. I am going to go here, Milwaukee against Cleveland. So we click on the game and we can see 
um, all the, uh, once again, best available for uh, a few of these. And if you wanted to go first half, there are uh, some options available for that as well. But we are going to go full game. And for this, I I believe that the, the Bucks again, Cleveland is on a quite a roll and they're playing really really well but anytime we can get the bucks as an underdog i think we're going to take it and the best place to get that is bowdog at plus two and a half with the minus 110 so we are going to click on that one um and for all of these i've just been doing a risk of five just for whatever uh so that is what we are clicking on for that go back to the main slate uh what else was i looking at on this slate today oh oklahoma city taking on portland um i get why this number is the way that it is, but Oklahoma City, I still think, is a better team than Portland. Shea, uh, Gilgis Alexander playing out of his mind. Uh, I think that they're, well, I, I don't want to say Oklahoma City is a better team than Portland. I think that's a bit of a stretch. I think they're playing better right now, and I think some people are overrating Portland. We're going to go with Bodog once again, plus three and a half for Oklahoma City on this, and I believe that was all we wanted on the uh, basketball side of things. Moving into the NHL, and again, it is a very full slate of games in this one. I feel like this is pretty good value with the Tampa Bay Lightning coming at minus 149 to win straight up against the Detroit Red Wings. So we're just going to click on that one. Thanks to Coolbet for that number. Um, a couple of kind of lopsided matchups on this one tonight. Like Colorado should beat up on Montreal, but. Colorado hasn't been, I mean, again, they've had a bunch of injury issues this year, so we're going to just stay away from that one. Edmonton taking on Dallas. I do feel like the Oilers are kind of figuring some stuff out. Dallas is playing really well, but I just, I don't totally buy into them as a team. I'm going against a lot of the public on this one. Let's go Oilers straight up, plus 125. Another one from Coolbet there. And that is going to be it for today's ticket for Wednesday. So four games on the schedule, uh, four games on the ticket, sorry. And once again, it is Edmonton to win plus 125 from Coolbet against the Dallas Stars. The Tampa Bay Lightning to beat the Detroit Red Wings at minus 149. It is Oklahoma City plus three and a half against the Portland Trailblazers from Bodog. And it is the Milwaukee bucks plus two and a half from bodog on that one so four games on today's ticket that is today's ticket and that is today's show thank you all so much to tuning uh for tuning in today thank you to clearwater cleaning solutions your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of calgary with a fantastic team right to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs check them out online clearwatercleaningsolutions.com thank you to betstamp for being the sponsor for today's ticket download the betstamp app and use the referral code couch to let them know that we sent you uh we're going to be back at it with another show tomorrow and then our nfl preview show on friday thank you all so much for tuning in and i will talk to y'all later i'm out <laughs>